This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels. We're talking high school prospects, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and of course, the NFL draft. Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners of the show, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. Remember, you can always interact with Prospects 101 on social media. That's at Prospects 101 Pod on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, great way to stay up to date with all of our new episodes that we're releasing. Uh, And as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brandon Pastel and Kenny Keller. Guys, I don't want any banter here. Let's jump right in to the big news of the day and of the week. And we've gotten lucky, guys, because this has happened twice before, where (laughs) the day that we record, we get massive news out of college football. The Big Ten is back they have voted, and they will be back starting the weekend of October 24th. There will be some games on the 23rd as well. Fellas, instant reaction. Awesome awesome news, right? I mean, the fact that we have now four Power 5 conferences playing, honestly, no one cares about the Pac-12 anyways. <laughs> so whoever wins the Ooh. national championship this year deserves to win it. You can make an argument with Ohio State not playing and Penn State and a few other teams not playing. And if Alabama went out there and won it or another team, you could always say, well, they didn't play Ohio State. They didn't play some of these other teams like that. So I think it's such good for the college landscape, good for uh, Big Ten uh, fans out there, and it's going to actually solidify a crown winner in the national uh, college, college football and say, like, yes, they actually earned that. So Yeah, yeah it's, definitely, it's definitely big for college football. Obviously, the P5 conferences drive things, and, yeah, the G5 is nice to watch, but P5 is where the big boys play, and Ohio State might be the biggest of the boys this year. I think they're arguably probably the favorite to win the national championship this year with what, ret- what they returned. So having them come back to play, a full, to play any type of season is big. Uh, you know, Penn State's obviously a dark horse as well. Michigan, 
is a nine to ten win type team. So Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin another yep. great school. Yep, yep, another another big one. So you've got four schools that are going to be top fifteen programs probably this year that are now going to be jumping back into the fray. So yeah, for college football, it's a it's a massive massive decision. It's a big decision, and you know I, I'll just touch on the Pac-12 thing. I, I think the reason that a lot of people are kind of so-so about that. Uh, One, there's massive hurdles that they would have to go through. Two, really, they didn't really have a national championship contender this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, some you could have made the case for Oregon, but I think their shot was really last year with Herbert, um, you know, with Herbert behind center there. But, guys, how do we get here? Let's kind of rattle off just kind of some key bullet points on why the Big Ten ended up flipping when they first came out in August and – announced that they were suspending the season, it was mainly due to health risks. Now, a lot of those risks were then alleviated with a lot of meetings, with a lot of health professionals. And here's a couple bullet points I took away from the news today. Uh, One, uh, rapid testing and contact tracing was a big factor for presidents and medical officials that are associated with those universities. Cardiac screenings are now available to those who test positive, which kind of eases eases the concern for myocarditis. Um, so a lot of the health things that really prevented the Big Ten from being in on this season where the ACC and the SEC didn't feel like they were big, and the Big 12 didn't feel like they were that big risk. Well, those boxes were checked were checked off for the Big Ten. Something else to note, there's going to be eight games uh, so it'll be six inside of your division, and then there'll be six, then there'll be two cross division. And then the biggest thing, guys, is there will be a national, or I'm sorry, a Big Ten championship game, which will be the ninth game on December 19th. That date is huge because December 20th is when the final rankings come out to see who gets in the college football playoff. So I think that those were some big bullet points I got out of today's today's announcement. Yeah, yeah, the the the, the definitely the eight games in nine weeks is very critical. Um, you know, I, it doesn't leave you a lot of leeway. I was surprised to hear that they were coming back on the twenty fourth versus like the seventeenth or earlier. Um, you know, those dates because now you don't have a lot of leeway, but. Yeah, I mean they had to they had to get a certain amount of games in by the by the December nineteenth. So this fits in the schedule, but now they've got to be on it. Yeah, and let's just figure. Let's just assume all the information has been the same across all the different conferences. It's really about the acceptance of risk. And the three conferences that decided to play or hold off to making that decision to not play, they just had a higher tolerance of risk with the same information provided. So, like you were saying, Gless. The Big Ten, they didn't want to accept some of these risks. And once they kind of checked that box, yeah, you, we can say there was a little bit of other pressures financially, politically, uh, and just, you know, the pressure of some of these protests from the players and the parents and stuff like that. That probably factor in about, you know, 25%. But the fact that 75% of this was medical and that they checked those boxes, uh, you know, big for the Big Ten. Again, I'm fine with it. Like, I know people want to see – the commissioner kind of dig in and that, go back on his word. This is such a time where there's no playbook. I'm okay with people changing their course and going yeah. back on it because this is so new to everybody. So good for him almost to be humble and to make a decision like this that will help these kids out, assuming they can do it yeah. safely. Yeah, I think the, the the biggest thing about a pass, though, and I would agree with you 100% there, you know, most of this was a medical thing. And I just think 
for the university presidents, for medical staffs, for medical professionals that are associated with the Big Ten to be able to see how the ACC, how the SEC, how the Big 12, and how a lot of these G5 schools have handled this risk that they've taken and then the protocols and really the going above and beyond to make sure that the student athlete is safe. I think that's an, another re- – I think they let their guard down. It's, it's one thing to come out when you don't know, but they're able to kind of see it play out and how other schools were doing it, how they're handling it, how they're – you know, if somebody tests positive. All these protocols that nobody really knew how to do were really kind of paved by these other schools and conferences. So I think that gave them a lot of, a lot of leeway there. And then just with anything, I mean, you know, some of this stuff has to deal with some political pressure because some states allow practices, people in a certain amount of space. So um, ultimately, I think all three of us on the show are really excited to see the Big Ten back, ready for action. And it's going to be great that that October weekend when the Big Ten, the weather is starting to get cool, and really to see them back and playing. And that's a perfect segue, guys, into this week's Opening coin flip. So let me ask you guys, should a Big Ten team or teams be eligible for the college football playoff if they play less games, which they will more than likely, anybody who would be eligible would be playing nine games. So, Kenny, why don't you start us off? What do you think? Unpopular opinion, no. I don't think they should be. And here's why I say that. I think we're penalizing teams for not botching the start of the season. So the SEC, because they had started earlier, because they're starting earlier than the Big Ten and and took proper precautions originally to get their season started earlier, are now going to be penalized because they're going to play in a tougher conference and they're going to have to play 10 games. So if we look at a team, if, say, Alabama goes 8-2, and two, say they lose a regular season game, they're like, you know, um, you know whoever, Florida, Georgia, who are you name them an SEC opponent and then they lose in the in the SEC championship and they go eight and two. Was well, eight and two worse than seven and one? Is it is it is it really worse than eight and zero, oh? or, or or maybe eight and one going into uh, say say a, a team goes eight and one and wins the Big Ten championship? Is eight and two worse? I don't think so. I think they played a tougher schedule because they had to play ten SEC games. I, I think the Big Twelve has got to play nine conference games and a conference championship. The ACC playing 10 conference games and a conference championship. You know, they're playing a lot more games in conference than, than the Big Ten is. And I don't think it's necessarily that fair, to be honest, because you have less chances uh, to lose. And then, two, I, what, what do we do if – what happens if, if Ohio State has an outbreak and goes 7-0 and because they had to have a game postponed? Because, like I said earlier, there's no leeway here. If you have a game – if you have guys test positive for COVID in the Big Ten, they're out 21 days. That can get sticky real quick if you've got a batch of guys test positive one to two weeks, you know, one week and then the next week or whatever, and now you're all of a sudden having to postpone games that you can't make up. Are we going to take a 6-0 and Big Ten champ? Are we going to take a 7-0? Where's the line drawn? I, I don't know. To me, it, it's, it's a, they shouldn't be rewarded by playing less games and, and facing less competition than – than their counterparts because they botched the start. I don't think there should be a war. I think they still should play, and I'm thrilled. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited that they're playing as a college football fan. But, hey, you missed the train, dog. That's, that's life. You missed it. There's no, there's no participation ribbons, and, and now you're kind of getting a lifeline by, quote-unquote, being eligible for playing less games. I, I, I don't think that's right. If I was an SEC fan or an ACC or a Big 12 fan, I would have issues with that. 
I don't know. I think you have to, first of all, botching the start. Yeah, they botched how they went about it. But when was the right date to start, right? Because, like, the ACC started last week. The SEC's not until two weeks after that, really, when they actually start. So the fact that, you know, the Big Ten is three weeks after that, like, I guess, really, when with all this going on, this unpredictable season, was a good time to start? No one really knows. We still don't know the answer. Uh, so I don't necessarily say it was botched. But I'll, and I'll, but I'll, say, I'll end with this. What is the accurate amount of games that you need to have an accurate sample size to say if this team is good enough to be in the playoffs? It's really the, the main question here is how many games do you actually need to say if this team is good enough to be the top four, one of the top four teams? And I think these are all factors. Strength of schedule, how many games you lose. You're right. If a team goes 7-1 and one versus a team that goes 8-2, and two, I think you factor that all in. I don't think it's just a matter of losses. I say based off of that whole entire season with all these factors together, what do you do? Now, Kenny, to your point, I agree from the fact that if they do lose out on a game or two and they go 6-0 and or 7-0, and I think that's the line. Like, I think you have to play all eight games, and I think based off of that sample size, well, really nine games if you play the and Big Ten nine game, right. Big, big so really, yep. it's really just two games difference. You're playing nine games, which, mind you, by the way, six years ago, teams only played like 10 games. The fact that teams are playing 12, 13, 14 games now, that's kind of new in the last decade, right? So this is not new a decade ago. So And people had accurate sample sizes then. So if the playoff committee can say they played eight games and a ninth game uh, Big Ten Championship and can say Ohio State or Penn State or one of these teams that lost a game is better than a, a team in the SEC that lost two games or vice versa, then I think that is a good enough sample size. So I think they should be able to play in the play, uh, playoffs, assuming they can get all eight games in plus the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. Uh, think about this too, guys. The Big Ten is playing nothing but Big Ten opponents. The SEC is playing nothing but SEC opponents. The ACC has one out-of-conference game, if you can find them in-state. So, for example, this week Charlotte plays UNC, uh, Clemson plays the Citadel, and then the Big 12 is kind of just piecing their schedule together, right? I mean, you've got, you know, Oklahoma State playing Tulsa. I think it's a similar kind of setup as the ACC. So I think that it's going to come down to if a team runs the Big 10, Right, so let's just call Ohio State runs the Big Ten, goes nine and zero, and yet you have a one loss Oklahoma, and the Oklahoma would have played one more game, but that other game was the game they just played against. Who, who do they play? Eastern Kentucky, um, Missouri State. Missouri State. Are are you gonna like? I, I'm gonna. I'm going to kind of look at that as kind of a wash, right? That like they they kind of played throw it out the window. They essentially played the same amount of games. So I think it depends schedule-wise on what happens. So I don't know if I have uh, – I, I don't know if I'm strong either way. I, I'm, I'm with an – it depends here. But I would shade more towards Pastel on this one because I think if in the scenario that somebody runs the table and goes 9-0 – and then, again, the scenario plays out where one of the other wins by somebody else that could possibly also be considered for the playoff was against, you know, was against a, a G5 program. I think you throw that out and you look at conferences, right, because that's Power 5 versus Power 5. So, I, I, you know what? I, Pastel, i got to go with you again this week. You're 2-0. Back-to-back, baby. <laughs> Collusion. Real quick, that's a really good point, Gless. Really good point, the fact that you said that they aren't playing FCS teams and lower G5 teams this year. In theory, they're playing eight and nine solid games, which is about normal in any other year if you take away the, the throwaway games out of the schedule. 
you're playing Big Ten all Power Five teams this year. Like that's what you do on a normal year is you play eight or nine Power Five teams. Right. So I, I think it'll be. I, I I don't think it's yes or no. I think it all depends on how it starts to what starts to happen, right? Like what Big Twelve team is really eligible? Like you know, besides Oklahoma, I'm not sure there's another team that could really run the table in the Big Twelve. And so I think that the nightmare scenario is if you get two Big 12 teams that essentially run the table, make, make, make themselves to the Big 12 championship, it's a close game and somebody wins late in the fourth quarter, and then you really have an argument on there. But I, I like that, you, know, uh, you know, if the Big 10 team runs the table. Now, Kenny, I do agree with you. And if you don't play your whole schedule, you shouldn't be eligible. Right, like you just you you shouldn't, right? I mean, you've, you, it it just I'm honestly, man, like life's tough. Like I'm sorry, that sucks, but like if you don't play your whole Big Ten schedule, you're already at eight games total. I mean, I, I I you shouldn't be eligible in that way. But in the scenario that you play all of it and you win out, I, I think they should be eligible for that college football playoff for sure. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. And it's definitely different. You know, normally on the first week, I go out to bars, etc. Obviously, that's not a realistic option right now. So, what did I do? I had two big screen TVs with the local game on Fox in CBS. Then I had the iPad as my third screen, and then my computer as my fourth screen with NFL Sunday ticket on both just hammering through games, watching my out-of-market Jaguars beat the Colts and go 1-0. and Everybody said they're tanking for Trevor, but nobody told Gardner Minshew that, nor did they tell Pepsi Zero Sugar NFL Rookie of the Week nomination, C.J. Henderson, who was an absolute stud for us. Just an awesome, awesome opening weekend, and I'm so excited for the next 15 weeks plus the playoffs of the NFL season. You know, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. I promise you, Pastel, Gless, and myself, Kenny, we are definitely members of the League of Football Watchers. And, and, you know, these passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. Go watch football, everybody. Guys, that's enough about the news in the Big Ten this week. Let's let's talk about week two because week two was great. I, week one was was fine because you had some games on the – it was just nice to have football back. But I mm-hmm. thought week two was fantastic because we got to see power five football out there we got to see top 10 teams top 25 teams and we got to see some conference games as well especially in the ACC so let's talk about what players stock rose this week and what players players stock fell this week based on their performances in week two Kenny who'd, who'd you like who do you think really raised their stocks in the eyes of scouts yeah I got a handful of I got a handful of guys that really caught my attention this week, and, and I'll be pretty quick with them since I got a lot. So first guy that I caught my eye was Sin, uh, Sincere McCormick. If you guys remember, we did I did an interview 
with uh, Harvey Car- Javi Cardona, uh, a beat writer for UTSA, and and man, we he gushed about Sincere McCormick, so I was really excited to see him play, and he did not disappoint. 29 carries, 197 yards, and a touchdown, 6.8 yards a carry, just an absolute beast to to go ahead and beat uh, Texas State in a thriller. The second guy was Jonathan Adams Jr., a wide receiver from Arkansas State who had a really good first game. And actually, Pastel was really high on him going into week two, and he did not disappoint. Eight receptions, 98 yards, and three TDs. And for that performance, he is my G5 elite player of the weekend. Boom. Yep. And then my third guy is Chaz Surratt, linebacker at, at North Carolina. What I mean, just guy gets better every time he steps on the field. He had two sacks, nine total tackles, and two and a half tackles for loss absolutely wreaked havoc against the Syracuse team and was just all over Tommy DeVito all game long. Uh, Another guy that caught my eye was Asante Samuel Jr., unfortunately in a losing effort against Georgia Tech, but this Florida State cornerback was just all over the field. He had two interceptions, uh, returned for 74 yards, two passes defended, five total tackles. I mean, he was just making plays all over the field and showed supreme athleticism. My, My fifth guy was Sam Ellinger. Um, guys, I know it's early, but Heisman frontrunner alert. And basically one half of football put up 426 yards passing and mm. five touchdowns with 75% completion percentage and a perfect quarterback rating. So, you know, he's he's right now the frontrunner. He's my FCS – oh, sorry, geez, my P5 elite player of the week um, with Sam Ellinger. And then just one for honorable mention, an FCS player who I wish we could see more of now but he has absolutely lit the world on fire, and that's Bailey Zapp. And he's quarterback for Houston Baptist, who almost went into Texas Tech and beat them. They lost 35-33. to Listen to the numbers he put up. 567 yards passing, four touchdowns, at 11.6 yards an attempt. I mean, just absolutely slinging the ball all over the place. This is after coming off of a weekend – the weekend before against North Texas, putting up 480 yards passing and three touchdowns. So for the season in two games, 1,047 yards and seven touchdowns. This guy is an absolute gunslinger. It's unfortunate he's only going to get to play another game or two because then FCS games or, or you know, FCS opponents are no longer going to play FBS opponents. But if this guy, this guy, I'm really excited. I hope he takes his extra year plays again next year because I really want to watch this guy play a full season next year because I mean the, the guy's incredible. So I just I had to get that in there. I know he's not an FBS player, but I had to get him in. Pasta, what prospects stood out to you and really raised their stock this week? This is a guy we mentioned last week, Jalen Tolbert, the wide receiver from South Alabama. And I wanted to mention him because it's a, a continuation, kind of kind of like Jonathan Adams Jr. from last year that has not stopped. So he's six foot three, one ninety five. He had another game with six receptions, ninety nine yards. If you look at his last three games, he now has four hundred and twelve yards and six TDs. So I want to keep on mentioning him as long as he keeps putting up stats like this week in, week out, because he's absolutely making a name for himself and putting himself on draft boards. The next guy was Cameron Harris, uh, the running back out of Miami. This guy is a phenomenal running back. He has 17 rushes for 134 yards and two CDs and arguably the best player on that team that night. You can, I mean, he, this is all, by the way, in three quarters. He got hurt in the fourth, which thankfully looks like he's going to be playing this weekend. But that team changed when he was out of the game. And when he was in, this guy just made cuts that 
I love seeing out of NFL type of running backs. And this is all being said with the offensive line that might be one of the worst in the ACC. Like that offensive line sucks. So he was a big uh, pillar to that that win uh, this past week, and I think he is now starting to have some momentum going into these weeks and put himself on draft boards. Another guy, Ben DeLuca, we highlighted him this past summer, the safety for Charlotte. Now, he had 16 tackles, and he's a safety. He had a forced fumble. He had a tackle for a loss. And he also plays UNC next week. So not only did he have a great game versus App State, which they ended up losing, I would love to see what he can do next week as well uh, against UNC because, you know, obviously Sam Howe and that team's just way more superior than Charlotte. It would be interesting to see how well he does, but I think he's one of those guys that he's probably got a seventh, sixth round talent right now, but he's playing. I mean, he's got a nose for the football no matter what he does. Uh, so big ups to him. Last guy, Kenny, you already touched on him, Sam Ellinger. It's not like I'm even big on him as an NFL prospect, but he upped his stock this past week. Like, he was accurate with the football. He had all the time in the world, which obviously makes you more accurate. But I think, in my mind, he was always like a fifth-round pick. He might be a fourth round now. So we'll see how, how his season continually progresses because I think he did up his stock a little bit last week. Yeah, I really like the Ben DeLuca uh, pick. I, I I actually watched that game. I thought that he was all over the field. It was it was really fun to watch him play. Him really be involved and really kept Charlotte the the Charlotte uh, team and the Charlotte defense in that game and and gave Charlotte every chance to win. And then just at the you know the end of the fourth quarter, I mean, when you watch both teams play, you kind of tell that UAB was the better team. Uh, but it doesn't shouldn't take away from the way Ben DeLuca pay, played. I thought he played outstanding. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch him develop at Charlotte and really be a force uh, for that squad. Uh, so just as players rise, guys, player stock fall as well on a week-to-week basis. So, Kenny, what prospect did you, did you watch this weekend that you thought really hurt their stock? Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring even more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anyway. Go right now to Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Honestly, the most obvious one was Brock Purdy. Uh, quarterback out of Iowa State. I watched that whole ULL game because I, I took ULL money line on my bet line account last week, so I had a lot of vested interest in it. Um, but I mean, he just looked not great. I, I don't know if we chalk it up to game one rust, but as much as I'm all over ULL, ULL is a G5 opponent, and it, he was miserable. I mean, 
he went 16 for 35, 145 yards and one pick. And Les, I, I don't want to steal your thunder because I, I don't want to spoil yeah. anything. But to me, if you, he's he's considered a fringe to middle first round pick guy, and, and he did not play like it at all, like not even close. Now, granted, he had some there were some drops and some pretty bad drops, but his stock could, his stats could have been worse. I, I watched that whole game and he threw two picks. Right in, right into the safety's hands, and they just flat out dropped it. So I, he was the really the guy who stood out to me the most. Yeah, that's that's a good pick. I mean, I think I will say a little bit of first week for us. I it's funny because Kenny, you were high on him at the beginning of the season. I was kind of low on him, but I think I'm going to mark this one up a little bit to first week rust. Uh, that being said, Chris Rump the second, and this one is kind of based off where you guys put him, right? So like some people think he's a first or second-round type of pick, if that's where you believe he was coming into the season, I think his stock dropped quite a bit to, like, the fourth or fifth round type of round uh, because of what – that's like how he played in the first quarter. He played pretty well in the first and second quarter, even though he had zero sacks against Notre Dame. But he really was getting pushed around. And I mean that whole D-line was getting pushed around against Notre Dame in the second half. And, again, if you're a first or second-round pick and one of the top defensive rushers in the college in America, you've got to do well against good – uh, teams and this was a really good team for him to have good tape on, and he did it not do well. Yeah, I actually watched that Notre Dame game, and, and and I was waiting for him to flash and get a get a sack in a big spot because they were in that game, you know, for for three quarters and looked like that they were going to give Notre Dame a run, a, really a run for their money, and just kind of lost it because they couldn't make big plays down the stretch on defense. Um, shout out to the Notre Dame offense to finally start getting rolling, um, you know, but but Duke. Gave them all they could handle for three quarters, um, but I like that Chris Rump pick too because I didn't didn't think that he performed like a first second round pick uh, against pro talent, especially at both tackle positions for the for the Fighting Irish. So um, I, I like that pick there. Now for for my he stinks coach segment, I, I've got four this week. I've I've got four, and I'll touch oh, each boy. on. I know I, there was a lot of stinking up the joint. I tell you what, coach, he stinks. Brock Purdy, 16 for 35 for 145 yards and one pick, no touchdowns against the Raging Cajuns in their upset in Ames. Uh, I was so underwhelmed. You know, generally when you think about a first-day, first second-day quarterback picked in the NFL draft, you think about guys that can kind of take over games against talent that is either just like it or even below, right? I mean, let's be honest. If Brock Purdy was a day-one quarterback, he should have been able to go out there, sling the ball around, and, and really be able to take over that game. And not only did he do that, he just, he just looked terrible. I, I thought he stunk up the joint. Uh, number two, the Florida State offense. Another year, same Florida State offense that just stinks up the joint. Blackman stunk. 23 for 43 for 198 yards, a QBR of 21.7. The running game against Georgia Tech totaled 109 yards total, 3.1 yards per carry against a Georgia Tech team when you look at prospect for prospect. Shouldn't even be on the same field as Florida State. Florida State's offense stunk, Coach. Third one. This one's kind of interesting because – at the same time, I felt so bad for this kid. 
but the kicker from Texas State University <laughs> went one for three on kicks. But the reason he stinks, Coach, because he missed two inside the 40 with a chance to win the game, and it was just so hard to watch. Like, you, UTSA doesn't win that game if he makes one of those two kicks, and he missed a really bad one from, an like, 24. Point. It was an extra point. He missed He missed. The, the reason they had to go to overtime is he missed the extra point. He missed the extra point. That's yeah. right. I mean, just – he stinks, Coach. And then I got an honorable mention uh, just because I thought Kenny was going to mention this school and the way they played because he was so fired up on Thursday. But I think the UAB quarterbacks also stink. Tyler Johnston, 15 for 23, 150 yards, one touchdown, very pedestrian. And then Bryson Lucero, four for 12 for 55. Not necessarily the – obviously the Lucero line stinks at for, for four for 12. I thought that their impact on the game when they had the ability, in my opinion, to hang in there with the Miami, uh, especially on defense, but the offense didn't do anything to help out the defense there. They stunk. I hope that UAB uh, gets it together on offense. At least it's just – they just got to be more dynamic on the offensive side when it comes to the quarterback Break, Breaking Breaking news, Tyler Johnson's out for the year with an injury to his non-throwing shoulder. So it's uh, Bryson Lucero's show now. Bryson Which, Lucero. by the way, is who should have been starting all – the whole time. Yeah. Anyways, I thought that they – Yeah, yeah, it was – well, it was – well, and the – so the other thing about it that I took – I was salty about. I'm sitting there watching the game. They make the quarterback switch, and I think on, like, two series, on, like, third and long, they ran it. Yeah. And I'm like, you make a quarterback switch thinking that this is a guy that can kind of get some rhythm in your offense – and that didn't happen at all. They, I feel like they didn't really let him cut loose until the game was a little bit out of hand, and then he was just a sitting duck. Yeah, at that point, so, the, the team just pinned their ears back and came after him because they knew he was throwing. So yeah. I, I wouldn't read too much into the Lucero. Lucero's clearly the better quarterback. Like yeah. You could just watch the, watch him on the field, and you could see yeah. it. So I think I think that's enough for Week 2, guys. It was a great Week 2 because, again, we got to see Power 5, power five football back uh, but let's talk about week three uh, and what prospects are on our game day radar this week. I've got three. Uh, Tylen Wallace, the receiver out of Oklahoma State, they play Tulsa. He was a Blitnikoff finalist, uh, eight touchdowns, 903 yards, uh, had some injury, uh, injury struggles last season. But I like to see him have a big game against Tulsa and really be one of the better, if not the best wide receiver in the Big 12. Uh, James Wiggins, the safety out of Cincinnati, they play Austin P. really has a chance to redeem himself after being really banged up in 2019. But I think he can really shoot up draft boards. I like the makeup. I like the size. I love the talent. So I really like to see him dominate this weekend against Austin P. And then this one's going to be a shout-out for all of us as a show because we've definitely pronounced this guy's name wrong this entire time. But Quincy wrote uh, – uh, uh, Quincy Roche, the defensive end out of Miami. Um, and the, the reason I'll say it is, look, it, he's known to be a pass rusher, right? That's, that's why that he, people think he can be a first-round pick. But they play Louisville, and mm-hmm. Louisville does not really want to throw the ball. Um, anybody who's watched Mikhail Cunningham play really knows that. You watch the film. Kenny and I watched two of their games, all 22 films. They don't want to do that. They want to line up a lot of different formations, but they want to run the ball. So we're going to see can Quincy Roche play well against the run and show that he's a well 
balanced defensive end and one that can not only rush the passer, but one, if a general manager drafts him, know that he can play on first and second down, on first and ten, second and short, second and medium, when a team is really going to run your ball down your throat. So those are my three prospects that I really like and that I'm looking forward to watch this weekend. Pasto, what do you think? Well, let's just continue with that, man. I think Mikhail Cunningham, the quarterback for Louisville, he did play big time this past week. Like, he did throw the ball pretty well. And I think he kind of established himself as kind of a top-tier quarterback in the ACC outside of, you know, Ian Book, uh, Sam Howe, and, of course, Trevor Lawrence. Like, he might be that fourth-best guy. So I'm saying I want to watch him because, one, they just moved that game to 7.30 ABC primetime. Uh, game day is there this week. Am I correct on that? Yeah, Pretty sure that's correct. Game, game day yep. is there. I want to see him go against a defense that we all think is, you know, up, upper tier in the ACC. You just mentioned Quincy Roche and other guys like there that you're going to get after him. So go out there and have a game with Kale Cunningham because I think you have that ability. Go ahead and show it against one of the better defenses. Uh, Richie Grant, the safety out of UCF, you're going to get the true freshman uh, next week in Sims against Georgia Tech at 3.30. I want to see you perform. I want to see some pass breakups and possibly interception. I want to see you go out there and be the stud that we all think you are because I think you could be a day two pick in next year's draft. Uh, ben DeLuca, I quickly mentioned, obviously we already talked on him. You're playing Sam Howell. Uh, if you can do it two games in a row, then you're going to start making a name for yourself and really say that that injury that happened last year, the fluke, you know, you get, you, you rebounded perfectly from it. So uh, Zavin Collins, the linebacker for uh, for Tulsa, remember he was a freshman All-American just mm-hmm. two years ago, great tackler. He's got the size at 6'4", 260. Um, he's playing Oklahoma State. It's going to be on ESPN. Everyone's going to see you. Nobody watches Tulsa. So when you have a chance to go ahead and be on ESPN, Go ahead and make a name for yourself. Last guy, same game, Chuba Hubbard. Your Heisman campaign begins Saturday. So go out there and make a name for yourself and really establish yourself into that race. Pastel, how can you say nobody watches Tulsa? Did you forget you and I went to a Tulsa game last year? Come on, dog. (laughs) Again, nobody watches Tulsa. Uh, that was a fun trip, though, man. Cincinnati at or Tulsa at Cincinnati. That was a great game. We didn't see James Wiggins though because he was hurt. But that I guy's know. a freak. That was a bummer. Yeah. Kenny, who you got this week? Yeah, I got a handful of guys, and I'm I'm really excited about. So starting off, Phil Yurkovich. He's a quarterback who is getting his first career start at Boston College. For those who aren't familiar, he was a very very highly touted recruit at Notre Dame. He's 6'5", 215, an absolute legend in the state of Pennsylvania coming out of Pine Richland uh, and, and was the number four dual quarterback uh, in the entire country, a top 100 player, and just kind of stalled out sitting behind Ian Book, just was never able to really jump him on the depth chart. So he transferred and now is getting his first start at Boston College. If he's the real deal, if he's what everybody says he is, and if he's what Brian Kelly says he's been in practice, you know, what, what he's shown in practice, then he's really going to elevate Boston College, who, you know, has historically been a six-win, seven-win team. So if you see what they can do with good quarterbacks. So remember the last good quarterback they had was Matt Ryan, and they won 10 games in the ACC championship. So who knows? Uh, my next guy is Dylan Gabriel, uh, quarterback at UCF. They're playing Georgia Tech. I'm really excited to see him take the next step. You know, he had a really dynamic freshman season, true freshman season. Um, not the biggest guy, six foot one eighty six, but has tremendous touch. Reminds me a lot of of Tua Tagovailoa, to be honest. The way he throws the ball and the anticipation he throws it with uh, runs that UCF offense really well. It just excited to see him kick his kick kick off against a P five opponent, one that just beat Florida State. So it could be a, a little bit more of a challenge than we thought it was going to be. Um, Derek Forrest is my next guy, safety. 
at Cincinnati. I think this guy is a sneaky good player. He's six foot, two hundred pounds, really rangy. Had three interceptions last year. Had three and a half tackles for loss, and actually led the team in tackles. He can play in the box, and he can play kind of that center field position. You know, he also had three pass defended last year at the safety position. So. I'm uh, really excited to see him go up against inferior competition at Austin P and, and hopefully can make some plays and really show the athleticism that he needs to show to be able to play at the next level. Uh, another guy I like is Marquez Stevenson, wide receiver at Houston. Might be the fastest player straight line-wise in college football. You know, averaged 17 yards a catch last year, nine touchdowns as a sophomore and a junior. Just an absolute dynamite playmaker going up against Baylor a very hotly contested game against two, you know, decent sized Texas programs. And look, Houston's a, 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 you know, kind of that middle between G5 and P5. A lot of people think they can play in a P5 conference. Well, this is your opportunity to play against big time, big 12 football, Marquez. Go, go make a name for yourself. And then the last guy I'm really excited about is Justin Henderson. We talked a lot about him uh, on our, our conference USA preview show. I mean, just an absolute dynamite, 5'10", 220 pounds, had 15 rushing touchdowns last year, 1,200 yards from scrimmage. You know, just an absolute do-everything kind of running back for Louisiana Tech. So I'm really excited to see him go up against Southern Miss and kick off what aims to be a great senior season for Justin Henderson. And, and it's really going to be a tight game, which segues perfectly, guys, into our bet online segment. And, and the reason that is so perfect is because Louisiana Tech is a five-point underdog, and the line opened at four and a half. So me, I took Louisiana Tech. I'm taking them at plus five this week. Uh, My next game is FAU at Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, this is an interesting game. Georgia Southern had 33 players out last week and won by one point over Campbell University, and they were a 34-and-a-half-point favorite. They are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. They're laying one-and-a-half points uh, against FAU. But here's the thing. The line opened at seven points. Georgia Georgia Southern was a seven-point dog. They're now a one-and-a-half-point favorite. So I'm taking Georgia Southern laying one-and-a-half. I think they're going to win, and I think they're going to win big. Uh, FAU has had some COVID issues, and their quarterback is out. Uh, he was kicked off the team, or he's no longer with the team. Um, my next game is App State laying five at Marshall. I'm taking App State minus five. The game opened at uh, minus three, so App State has grown a little bit uh, in the last couple days. Uh, my next game is Troy laying three and a half at Middle Tennessee. The juice is heavy with Troy. Their line right now, if you take them at minus three and a half, is minus 155. So I'm taking Troy at three and a half, at minus three and a half, and the line opened at three. But I think Troy will easily dispatch of Middle Tennessee State, uh, which is a big difference from what I picked in week one when I had Middle Tennessee State beating Army Moneyline. Woof. And then my last game is Syracuse at Pitt with Pitt laying 21 points. The juice is with Pitt at minus 115. I'm taking Pitt at minus 21. The line opened at minus 20 and a half. I think Syracuse is one of the worst teams in football. You know, they, I think they kept it close in the first half versus UNC last week just because of kind of like opening weekend type stuff. But then UNC just absolutely throttled them in the second half and covered a 23-point spread. 
So and all in the second half, it was a, it was within a touchdown at halftime. I, I think Pitt wins big. I don't even think it's close, to be honest. Wow, wow, I like that, Kenny. Would you get? Did you already go over what you what you went last week? Would you go oh, last week? Yeah. So I went two and three. I I took ULL over Iowa State. That hit. Um, I hit uh, Texas. I took Texas laying the points last week, and they they hit. But I lost the UAB spread. Uh, I lost the Notre Dame spread by taking UAB as, as dogs, Notre Dame as favorites, and then I lost the Tulane spread. Tulane won, but they did not cover, uh, which I took Tulane to cover. I think it was like minus eight. They were lane eight. So two and three, hoping to go five and zero oh this week. There we go. I like that. Well, I'll get my picks this week. I went two and one last week, won the Georgia Tech, Florida State, Clemson, uh, Clemson Wake. So so Wake were 33-point dogs and ended up covering that. Um, so that was nice. But I did lose Arkansas State, uh, Kansas State. I think Kansas State was laying three and a half, and I took I took them in the points. They ended up losing the game. So went two and one last, that last week. Uh, just like Kenny, I'm hoping to go three and oh this week. I got three picks I really like. Uh, first one. Uh, it's going to be ULL, the old Raging Cajuns at Georgia State. Georgia State, 17-point dogs. I'm going to take ULL and the points in that. I loved what I saw out of ULL last week, and I think that they're going to go to Georgia State and absolutely dominate that team. So, again, taking ULL and the points. Uh, South Florida, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's laying, uh, laying 25. Uh, South Florida, I do not believe, has played a game. I think Notre Dame got that jitters out. I think that they win big. I think they win and win big. So I'm going to take Notre Dame and the points in that one. And then it's, I, I'm going to play this team for the second week in a row. Georgia, Georgia Tech at home is seven-and-a-half-point dogs. I'm going to take Georgia Tech in the seven-and-a-half. I don't like the fact that Central Florida had 10 players opt out because of COVID. Uh, so it's going to be their first game. Some guys playing in some new spots. Georgia Tech played last week with a big win. I think they take that momentum and they uh, Georgia Tech at the seven and a half. This could also be my upset of the week. So I would also take them money line as well. Georgia Tech on upstate Central Florida. Those are my three picks for the week. <laughs> Let's listen to an expert that actually had a winning you know, more than two games last week, and that's me when I went three. Hold on, time out. I went two for one. I had a winning record. I only I gave said, three I, games. More than two wins. All right, all right, go three and zero next time, and we'll talk. Also, but, an uh, expert. I'm sorry. Did you go 68 percent last season? Oh, uh, we're talking about last year now. All right, this is this is current ops. All right, so I got four games this week. App State versus Marshall. I agree with you, Kenny. I think App State takes that. FAU against Georgia Southern. I kind of disagree with you with this. I'm going to take the points, and I'm going to take FAU at plus 1.5. Charlotte versus UNC, the juice is with uh, UNC right now. That spread started out 27. It's now 29.5. I'm going to take Charlotte. I just can't see a Will Haley team. Uh, not, the, the way they are so motiv- motivated every single week, they're going to play hard for four quarters, and I think they're going to keep that game uh, below 29.5 points. Last game, uh, South Florida versus Notre Dame. Notre Dame's at minus uh, 25. I agree, Gus. Notre Dame's going to take that game. They, they got their first week jitters out. They're going to play good. Ian Book's going to look like the Heisman type of candidate that we all thought he was going to be coming into the year, and Notre Dame wins that wins that game and that spread. Will still, Healy gets go, – go ahead, Kenny. Go ahead. Still, stop taking Charlotte because now i got to root for UNC. <laughs> Will Healy gets so much run on this show, so much run. We're like, an unofficial, gets, we're like an unofficial Charlotte podcast. 
Get so much good run on this. By the way, if you have yet to listen to our Will Healy interview, make sure you go back and check out the interview we did with Will Healy. It was about a 45-minute show, and he's an absolute awesome guy. Yeah. No, we, we all love him. There's a reason why he gets a lot of run on this show. <laughs> so, anyways, guys, let, let's move on to the last part of this week's uh, this week's episode. Let's talk some recruiting news. We wouldn't be a prospect 101 if we didn't talk uh, any high school recruiting uh, the biggest signing this week, Audric Estime, uh, running back from New Jersey, uh, signed with uh, Michigan State, six foot one, two hundred and fifteen pound running back. Pastel, what do you like about this guy? And why don't you tell us about some of the other top signings and decommits and transfers? Well, Audric is just a big back. He's the number six player in the state of New Jersey. A lot of fans thought he was going to sign with New Jersey, and the other guy was our team was Virginia Tech. Rutgers? Well, Rutgers, Virginia Tech, and Michigan State were really the three teams involved with them, but Virginia Tech signed another running back. Rutgers just never really attracted him as well as they thought they were. So he signed with Michigan State, a good big-time player. He runs big, runs hard, like him. Uh, Tabier Dunlap, the running back out of DelVal, Texas, signs with Michigan. So Audrey Estamine was the 21st overall running back in the nation. This guy is the 22nd overall running back in the nation. So big signing from Michigan. Dominique Lavette, the wide receiver, he's also a four-star uh, wide receiver. He had offers from Alabama, Georgia, pretty much any team you can think about. Signs with Arizona State University. Mm. He's only he's only five ten, but he is a big-time playmaker at a buck seventy-five. So good signing for ASU and ASU's class. These last few years have really projecting or turning that program around, and I mean they're going to be contending in the Pac-12 sooner than later. Uh, top transfers, no no big-time transfers uh, this year or this week. There was a big-time player that entered the transfer portal, though, and that was Perry Olsen, the quarterback for Navy, right, the guy that we thought was going to come into this year and start for Navy. Well, he's now entered the transfer portal. I guess he's done competing uh, with the other quarterback there at Navy. Top decommitment, Elijah Judy. He's a weak-side defensive end, top 200 player, four-star player. Uh, was once a Georgia commit. He is now – it sounds like all errors are pointing towards Texas A&M. So this time next week, we might say that's our top transfer. But it looks like he's going to be um, going to Texas A&M. Big time loss for Georgia. As far as the top ten in this week, no major changes. Alabama has now taken the top spot uh, for the second week straight, which is something we have not said too often. It's been them and Ohio State bouncing back and forth for the number one overall spot. It's going to be really interesting these upcoming weeks to see if that changes at all. Uh, and then, you know, got Oregon, LSU, Clemson, Tennessee, really just three, four, five, six, and then Florida, my, Michigan, Miami, and USC, kind of just rounding out the top ten. Uh, kind of just wait for Georgia there. I was waiting for them really to propel in the top ten, but they just lost a big-time player, so I think it's going to be a few more weeks before they do that. Is, is a lot I – don't, I don't think he is. Do you, do you know different? Is Elijah Judy related to Jerry Judy? I know they're the same spelling of their last name, which is very unique. Are they related? Do you know? Ooh, well, let's see what what school. I, I didn't see I didn't I didn't see anything, but I, I and nothing's really pointing that way. I just didn't know like are they related at all? I know they're not they're not siblings for sure. Because Judy, I think, only had a sister, and, and for, you know, unfortunately, she passed away at a young age. But I'm not uh, sure. But they're both good football players. I know that. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I saw that. I saw his name. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Perry Olson transferring out of Navy, you know, just leaving a pardon my pun here, leaving a sinking ship. Navy's, Navy's, I think they're really yeah, bad. they're dragging that anchor right now for sure. Did you see? I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't get to watch the game this week. Uh, uh, did the game, their game got postponed, didn't it? It got yeah, postponed. Yeah, did that's you see what I Army thought. again? Th- I mean, I know they played 
they only played um, UL Monroe, but dude, Army's the real deal. Like they're good. Hey, what do you guys think about, by the way, Air Force getting uh, special permission to play both? Uh, games, both the, the the Army and Navy game for the Commander in Chief Trophy this year. That makes sense to me. Bottom line, I mean, th- those are the biggest games. They could play or not play any other games in that conference, but Navy, Air Force, and uh, Army, they would always want to play each other every single year. Those are the biggest games on their schedule. They would rather play two of those games than ten of those games. Dude, That's just Kenny, how it is. Kenny Tomalomo is pissed about it so, so but no no i i saw the headline that he was pissed about it but i couldn't quite figure out why because i'm with pastel i i love the fact that it's the commander-in-chief trophy that they're all going to play each other what what was his reasoning because they basically that his guys are going to be fresh yeah that basically yeah. they're not they're going to come into the they're going to get to play two games and, and that's all they're playing all year that they're not going to have you know injuries they're not going to be beat up or worn down or anything like that and Basically, Coach N was like, "It's a huge competitive disadvantage for our guys. We're going to come in, you know, not not just saying they're going to get they're going to be gassed, but they're going to have you know that that normal that normal season, um, you know, wear and tear." Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting argument. Um, you know, from a fan's perspective, I love it. I, I totally get Kenny and Matalolo's perspective on it, but I don't know, man. In this weird season, I, I can't really be. Can't, can't really be pissed if, if you get an extra game on your schedule. It's another game that they wouldn't have otherwise played. Um, so I, I think it's – I think it's I like it. I'm, I'm for it. I, yeah. I dig it. Yeah. I like watching the, the service academies play. Yep. Well, as always, you can follow and interact with Prospects 101 on social media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Great way to stay involved with us, stay away, stay involved with college football and prospect news, as well as seeing all of our episodes. Uh, you can scroll throughout there. They're all on there, as well as some of our other content. Make sure you listen to us and subscribe to Prospects 101 on your favorite podcast platform. Great way to know when all the episodes are right there on your phone or right there on your desktop. A lot of great more or a lot of great college football content coming up. Make sure you give us that five star review. It's extremely important for us. Got another one this week, guys. So I was happy to see that. Appreciate you spreading the word. And for Kenny, for Pastel, and for Gless, you guys enjoy week three of college football. We'll be back next week to discuss it all as more on Prospects 101. The wait is finally over. Football is back. My soul cries out hallelujah. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.